Oh my god, it's Hotline Leak episode 44. I'm shocked. I'm shocked we've been able to get the show going because we did have some technical difficulties ahead of time, but it's great because we've got Medios straight from the analyst desk. You guys have heard his wisdom, his sage advice, everything he's been saying all the time on the analyst desk. Now he's going to be bringing it directly to you in the calls on the show. we got Mark Zimmerman, who also is on the analyst desk. I don't know if that's exciting at all. Um, but by the way, TSM, they're not going to world. So so much to talk about. All that and more starting in Hotline League, episode 45, right now. Open by HP. Hotline like League intro. is brought to you by Open by HP. Don't you have to lie to him. All right, I had to redo. There was a bit of a stutter there for some reason on the, the intro, but we got it. We got it fixed, all right? Um, I'm excited for the show to start. Mark is my constant co-host. He's joining me right now. How's it going, Mark? Great. <laughs> I can tell you're excited for the show too, I'm Mark. I'm trying to get us into the, the callers, dude. Yeah. Uh, and Medios is here. Medios, how has life been for you? Because I know you've been on the analyst desk, but like, what are you? What are you doing? What's your life like? What's happening? Uh, life's chill. I've just been kind of hanging out, like unwinding from the season, uh, hanging out with friends, playing some WoW. Yeah. Chilling. What are you? Um, have is it basically like a vacation for you, or do you have work that you're doing? Like, what? What is life like? Uh. Probably closer to a vacation than anything else. It's mostly just been like analyst desk and playing league. Nice. When I practice league, it's kind of like I'm doing my job, but also kind of like I'm playing video games. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, uh, we got some big stories to talk about on the show uh, tonight. History has been made. TSM is not continuing on two worlds after the gauntlet. Uh, Cloud9 will be going instead. Um, I don't know. What else do we got? Uh, they did the co-stream thing, which it would be great to hear from people um, on what they sort of think about the co-streaming thing. It, uh, interviewed a guy this past weekend who works at Riot who was mentioning that uh, they've had Sherman. He's been on the show before. They had 40,000 people at one point in time uh, co-streaming. Um, uh, there's just a bunch of different stuff. I don't know. Mark, 40, do you have... 40,000 people co-streaming? Sorry. There were 40,000 people watching oh, co-streams. Okay. I was like, that was That was my fuck-up. I'm like trying to get the show going because i feel pressure from mark mark what what else, what other topics do you do you think of? uh based off what i'm seeing in the topics channels it's extreme amounts of tsm a lot of tsm stuff to talk about on the show tonight yeah uh, but hopefully not everything i don't want to turn this into the tsm episode i mean it's it's obviously the biggest story but there's some well, other it's the stuff last too. time we're going to talk about them through worlds yeah what um i don't, I don't mind if we're a little heavy yeah that's fair um, I think a little heavy is fair. Uh, we can talk about North America and if they're going to go into Worlds. Medios was quoted this weekend as saying there's a lot of things NA does great, but playing well is not one of them. Nope, uh, nope, nope. Misquote, misquote. I okay. said it's not always one of them. Okay. Super massive misquote there. Holy okay. shit. As opposed to being 100% of the time, it's it's down to like 60. I'm saying we're not always good. Yeah, it's like I'm 60. admitting that sometimes that is, we're That's bad. a much better quote. I'm not saying we're always bad. Huge difference. That's a much better quote than uh, what Reddit gave you, which was the one that I read. Um, yeah. So that's crazy. Um, I don't know. Mark, is am I forgetting anything? Uh, no, not really. I mean, there's other regions, but we don't talk about those. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk about those. Um, all right. So... Mark, do you want to explain how the show works? Yeah, I think a lot of people already know because there's a fucking million people in here. But if you are not one of those people, the way this show works is we have a Discord where 
people will come and join up. Once they get there, they will join a voice channel, uh, plug calls or plug calls too. Once you're in one of those, you can mute yourself. And then in the text channel pleb topics, you'll go ahead and post whatever it is you want to talk about. Uh, try and keep it to takes. So not just say, I want to talk about I, what should TSM do? Say like, this is what I think TSM should do or stuff like that. Uh, if we like your topic, we'll pull you from the pleb calls voice channel into the waiting room where when it's your time, we'll come down and do a quick voice check, make sure everything sounds good before pulling you on the show to discuss. Cool. Well, excited to have that. By the way, if you are a sub uh, that does allow you to get access to the sub uh, channel and Discord, you have to sync all that stuff up. It does take a little bit of a, a time, but you can check out how to do that. And uh, it doesn't necessarily give you, you know, a guarantee that you'll be on over other people, but you can put your topic in the subtopics chat, which moves a little slower, and, and that might be a little bit of an advantage. Um, regardless, uh, and sorry, by the way, if you're watching the VOD, I know that there's some flickering from the webcams. I don't know why Skype is doing that. I don't know how to fix it, but we started the show 40 minutes late, and I didn't have time to fix it. So um, hopefully you can suffer through it. Um, other than that, I don't know. Let's, uh, Mark, you want to start pulling people? Sure. Cool. So, um, yeah, have you... Medios, I assume you have never seen this show before. Why would you assume that? Because every guest that comes on it has never seen the show before. I've seen the show. Okay. Okay. Right, what was your favorite episode? Uh, just, just the one where you guys were talking about League. That was, spoke to me in a lot of ways. That was a pretty good episode. I did. I, I'm pretty proud of that one in particular. It was um, a banger, no doubt. Yeah. I'm a little loud. Okay, I will turn myself down. I recently positioned my microphone. Um, <clears throat> uh, that was just last week, actually. Um, all right, Mark, how are we looking? We have someone. Oh, wait, that was quick. Uh, Thiefco is joining us. Thiefco, where are you calling from? Uh, Santa Monica, California. Oh, you're right here. That's do, really close to me. Yeah, do we know you? Oh, are we? I see your light, your mic lighting up. Did you, do, did, what did you Can say? You hear me? Yes. I said uh, probably not. Probably not. Okay. Well, you are a Twitch Prime sub, so or you are a Twitch sub, so thank you very much. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? How I think that this year will be very similar to season four at Worlds, with NA being uh, very successful. Except this year, uh, one of the two teams that makes it out of groups will get an easier quarterfinals match and make it to semis. Okay. Why do you think that? Medios. No, no. Box. I was gonna, I was saying for Thief. Uh, why, why Thief? Why do oh. you feel like that's gonna gonna happen? I just feel like uh, this year is very similar uh, in the style and stuff of the different teams going to Worlds, uh, especially in uh, Samsung uh, or Genji in this case being like one of the top teams. Uh, it just resembles it in a lot of ways to season four to me, and I feel like TL and Cloud Nine both actually look like they're pretty good teams that uh could make a deep run into into worlds okay well here let me uh, contextualize this a little bit for for you medios and uh and mark is our cloud nine and team liquid good teams because one of the concerns that i have is that we saw three o's across the board um including team liquid uh three over three owing c9 and oftentimes three o's don't feel like very good like was uh, did Team Liquid actually get uh, a strong contest against Cloud9? Cloud9, they were just able to beat TSM. Was TSM not good? Like, uh, 3-0s doesn't feel like a very competitive region for a lot of people. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And um, I do notice some similarities between now and Season 4. A big one that stands out to me is that SKT didn't make Worlds again. So, you know, SKT gets this insane Worlds buff where they just win every time. So I think that definitely, them not being there, will uh, probably help out the Western teams a bit. And, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see NA going farther than they have in the past this year just because, uh, like, I feel that NA has been playing a lot more aggressively lately as a region, especially the top teams like Liquid and uh, C9. They've been taking a lot of steps towards just, like, trying to be more proactive and make more plays happen, which I think historically has kind of, like, been a bit of NA's downfall in international tournaments because we get so used to playing against each other in North America and we kind of understand what everyone's going to do, which makes it so we play a bit more reactively because, like, we don't get surprised too often. But then you go internationally and you're just not doing anything and they hit you with something you haven't seen before and you just kind of fall over. So, yeah, I could see it being a better year for us, for sure. I think uh, with regards to the C9TL part, C9 is hard for me to judge because in playoffs, they did not really look like their regular season self where like Blabber was not making anything happen in the early game and especially the finals versus TL where he just got like shut down super hard. And well, all of C9 just got shut down super hard from the jungle position. Uh, that was a little scary, uh, but then they bounced back and kind of destroyed TSM. So I think if we get a C9 like we saw in regular season and in the gauntlet, that's pretty good, decent. Uh, I, I'd be excited to see what they can do from there. But the scary part is that the Chinese region is doing a lot better. And so like assuming Korea didn't get much worse and China got better, then there's just probably more good teams there, um, which is an argument I've heard a lot of people make about why, even if NA is fine, have they caught up as much as China has progressed? So I feel like China's definitely going to be one of the front runners in the tournament because when I look at the Korean teams going, like both Griffin and SKT didn't make it. So what are the Korean teams? It's like Genji, Africa Freaks, and KT. KT. Yeah, I don't think any of them are bad, but... I don't know. They don't really seem as like menacing as maybe Griffin would or something like that. So I do think like Korea looks maybe weaker than they have been relatively to previous years. But I think China will be really, really good. Yeah, I'm concerned about China. Otherwise, like I think a lot of it comes down to how NA teams play. I think so the region definitely didn't. It felt like there was everyone was a step behind the one seed, but like by a pretty clear amount, like everyone's behind TL by a pretty sizable margin, which is, I think a little concerning that you think you're only sending one good team, but I also think C9 was so back and forth that I don't know if they were good or bad by the end of the season anymore. There was a, a thread for the, the interview I did with Jack where he said in a, you know, like this, we have the best chance we've ever had, or we have this year. And a lot of people in there are just, this is on, on Reddit, are just kind of, saying no jack shut up uh for instance somebody says uh, this is fantasy and philosophy unfortunately i feel the opposite court korea as always looks strong and king zone the domestically dominant internationally not so good korean team isn't going to worlds then you have the lpl who looks better than ever and na got trashed at last msi event the west's only team likely to do well is fanatic that said there's usually the one team that steps up unexpectedly like misfits last year so hopefully cloud nine can do that this year 
that's a very different take. And I feel like one that is shared by the reason I highlight that is just because I feel like a lot of the community and a lot of the industry feels that way, right? That it's just like, yeah, and they can say that they're going to do well, but ultimately like history shows that that's not the case. And there's not enough proof that these, these teams are strong enough to, to do anything different. The only thing I really, Oh, you kind of cut out Mark. Sorry, I can drop my, my head a little bit. Uh, but what I was saying was, the only thing I really can test about that is like we got destroyed at MSI or something, whatever that line was. Like we didn't get destroyed. We played a tiebreaker match against Fnatic to make it out. Yeah, you know, and that was with Ole and TL kind of having a mental breakdown for the first two days, which can easily happen again at Worlds. Sure. Uh, but, but we've got a couple backups this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, we have other teams. Not maybe. just Team Liquid, yeah. Yeah, but like I, I don't think MSI was this like catastrophe that people think it was. Medios, I, I want the first couple of days felt like it. Medios, I want to pitch you on the spot. Obviously, the team that nobody seems to be talking about going into Worlds from North America is Hunter T, uh, your former team. What do you? How do you feel about them headed into Worlds and you know their their relative strength? Well, I think a lot of people are kind of rating 100 Thieves pretty low as far as the standings go because uh, they didn't really seem like they stacked up that well against the teams they were playing at the end of the season. Like, they lost to TSM. They lost to, what was it, uh, Cloud9 or Li I think Liquid. So, like, they lost to TSM. They lost to Liquid. And I don't think 100 Thieves is bad by, like, North American standards. I think they're a solid team for sure. But um, I do feel like they have a bit of that passive play style that I was talking about earlier. Like they seem to do well on sort of like the meatball comps where you put uh, like Ryu on like the Malzahar and uh, on Sejuani and they play to scale and play for late quite a bit. And I think that strategy is just a lot harder to pull off when you play against like if they play against Korean or Chinese teams, uh, they might have trouble dealing with early aggression. Gotcha. Big agree. Uh, so I'm sorry, um, Thiefko, we kind of talked uh, past you. Do you have any other questions or thoughts on this? Uh, the other reason that I think that this is a possibility is I feel like all of the top teams are teams that could have a game or two stolen from them in a sense of just like, I don't feel like they're as dominant as past years in the sense that like in previous years, I felt like SKT was just whole game it would be a huge upset whereas this year i feel like a lot of the top teams could lose a couple of games and it wouldn't be that shocking yeah i think it's for me watching the korean games if it's one of those things where like, I, I still think watching them they look really good uh but sometimes it's scary to have one team that's just like super ultra god tier from the best region than it is to have a bunch of teams who are around the same level but i don't know and you're talking about the the similarities to 2014. 2014 had an absolutely disgusting Korean, like Samsung Blue and Samsung White. KTA didn't make it, but they uh, went to a best of five in their finals that year as well. So the last time we saw Korea this close, I would say was another year where they were very, very good. Yeah. Another thing to think about going into Worlds that like, I don't know if it gets talked about too much, but in my experience, when I like the practice leading up to Worlds is always super weird because you have to be kind of like, thoughtful in your practice about who you're playing against and who's going to leak because i know historically like who's going to leak the chinese teams leak to each other all the time so example like if we scrim against one of the chinese teams the other chinese teams in the tournament that we might be in a group with will definitely know what we're playing so that can like 
lead to them having like more information going into the game than they would otherwise have. So is that just kind um, of like a commonly yeah, accepted thing that it's just like people just leak? Cause I mean, they're like that. This was something that Weldon said. Um, I think when he was on TSM, he got mad flamed for, um, so I don't know if you're going to get mad flamed for it, but, uh, it, like I've heard this before, right. That like just at worlds teams within their same regions, just like start sharing information with each other. Yeah, and I think it definitely happens, and I don't think every team's going to do it, but I mean, there was the, like, for my own personal experience, there was uh, the Gambit situation back in Season 3 Worlds when we played <laughs> against Fnatic, where we played, like, an entire day of scrims against Gambit, like, just playing our best stuff, and then when our match against Fnatic comes around, they somehow knew exactly all the champions High was going to play without us really, like, having any other games where we showed that champion pool, so... That kind of thing definitely happens, and uh, I don't really know what you can do about it because on one hand, it's like, I know for me personally, I try to like be respectful for the integrity of the game and like not basically like give away info that I shouldn't, but I know a lot of other people will worry like, oh, well, like if every other team's leaking, they'll go in with an advantage, so we have to do it too. So I don't, I don't really know how much it's going to affect it or how much it's going to happen, but it's definitely something that can happen. Is there a, would there be value? It, like, is are the scrims so valuable? I assume they are, but are the scrims so valuable that you just can't? You need these scrims, right? Could North America not just like try to scrim amongst each other, um, or like could Cloud Nine not? Because I know this was the the big Samsung story from what 2014. Could Cloud Nine bring like their challenger team and just try to scrim exclusively, and then you there's no chance that anybody knows what these guys are doing. Or is it just like you just super need the, the scrims against like these top tier teams, which I again I assume would be the case. Yeah, and it's definitely I don't know if there's like one necessarily right answer in that case because pretty much no matter what you do, there's going to be potential risks of it, right? Like if you only bring your academy team and you practice against them, you're probably not exposing yourself to enough stuff because like you can watch a team play as much as you want, but until you actually play against them you don't have that good of a feel for what they're going to do, like how they're going to react to certain situations. So I think it's still going to be beneficial to play against as many teams as you can, especially the best ones. But sometimes you just have to think about like, how much do we want to hide here? Like as an example, when cloud nine was playing against TSM and they pulled out the Hecarim top, like TSM had no idea that was coming. Even if they were like receiving information from other teams, cloud nine, like never played Hecarim in a scrim. So uh, there's definitely some incentive to like hide things you're practicing, not show all your cards, but at the same time try to get good practice and not like be disrespectful toward the other team by like full sandbagging that kind of thing. Yeah, gotcha. Hey, Thiefco, thank you so much for the question or the thank you. Uh, yeah, appreciate. It. All right, moving on to the next one. Are we doing? Are, we can do one uh, more. Are we okay? We can definitely do one more before we uh, go into our little break, but. Um, as Mark is pulling the next person, I want to shout out to um, a bunch of people. Uh, where are we? Be, uh, wow. It goes way back. Um, Warwick Davis, uh, Vulptex Vinny, Nap, Nappy Bean, Hoeing Nets, They Call Me Beans. Uh, Danny Grimm sent 400 bits and said, uh, thanks so much. Uh, I love Omen by HP subbed. Uh, rockets are cool. Shy. SH953 sent six months. Arzath. Loop choke. 
Uh, Fur Flurry Flurry sent fifteen hundred bits. Sorry, I used my Prime next month. You can have it. Keep up the good work. Thank you. That's a, very generous. Lickitoad one Uberlon Gnome uh, for some months. Thanks Omen by HP for getting the show started. Uh, Fred the Free gifted a sub to Danny Grimm. Danny Grimm, by the way, you can resub for uh, one dollar. Uh, Mardux or Mardu? Is it Mardu or Mardux? Uh, you can say Mardux. It's fine. Whatever. Mardux. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, thank you for being a sub. Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm actually, I live in Texas, but I'm actually from Peru. Oh, from Peru. Nice. Uh, whereabouts in Texas? Uh, you don't have to give a specific location, but, you know, general would be nice. Money is pretty big, so I'm pretty sure nobody's going to find me. Okay. Uh, very good. Well, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Well, I, I, I need to say that, I mean, um, teams uh, to promote uh, young talent, you know, like the, the way C9 is actually doing you know, um, um, get, I mean, young talent, you know, high school players, you know, perhaps uh, first on the academy team, you know, and then kind of have a scream against the main team in order to uh, earn that macro kind of thing, you know, like ideally uh, what I would say, it's like, all right, have your normal screams with the main team and other teams. And then uh, with your academy teams, what you would do something that really many teams doing on, uh, on League of Legends, you know, it's this thing called eight, where you actually just grab like, in this case, like 10 players, you know, and kind of like swap them around, you know, so you have like two on one team, three on, on the other team, you know. Oh, you're saying you so, have, like, so really bleed your academy team and your main roster together. Exactly, because I mean, the thing that veterans will bring to the table will be like macro and like decision making, you know, and then uh, high skill players, you know, that would kind of like get used to that type of play style, you know, and like learn some macro, you know, and kind of like bring them to the level, uh, you know, like, I mean, and then you will have probably like um, coaches, you know, for certain position, you know, like, for example, uh, a coach for ADCs, you know, I mean, that will be looking at picks on Korea and China and other regions, you know, and tell you like, hey, okay, so this is good. This is good. This is good. Uh, you should play this on this game, you know, and kind of like choose that for everybody, you know. And instead of actually playing solo queue, which is actually like you that will bring down your level, you know, because you're kind of playing for fun, you know. Yeah. And so, so yeah. I mean, this one will give you like the competitive level uh, practice that you will need, yet you'll be still playing with like random picks or like whatever, you know, so you can actually have better. And you put the high school players to replace second tier players like i don't know i mean I, i'm a big fan of tl you know because of double if and i mean i like povelter and whatever you know but povelter besides being really good and whatever you know i mean yeah. he's never going to be a faker you know he's never going to be impact or double if you know be you sure. know he's never going to get to that level and actually when you put actually put him on a lane you know you don't expect him to win you know sure so let's let's say that uh, I mean, it sounds like your general argument is you just want to see more teams uh, using, like, promoting uh, players out of academy and finding new talent and seeing North America really find new talent. Like, I mean, I don't think it's necessary to actually import players instead actually cultivating. Uh, gotcha. You know? So well, let's, well, this is kind of what we saw from the past year i feel like in, in particular we've really seen uh and, and cloud nine you know using this to win yesterday 
finding native North American talent and working with that. Um, I don't know, Mark, do you, what do you think about all this? Well, I think maybe you can go too far with it. Like the idea that you don't need imports. I think that's probably a little ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of like the golden guardians take at the beginning of the year. And then they ended up with Mickey. Well, they also export himself, but also didn't grab any of the top tier NA talent. So it's a little up in the air, whether or not that would work. But I still think that there's no way you want to run no imports across your whole league. Whether or not you can put a single team together is a different thing. Right. Uh, I don't know if Medios thinks different. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting uh, perspective because on one hand, like, you can look at Cloud9 and they did this system very successfully, right? Like, they're using all of their players. All their players are very close. And it's kind of like a mutually beneficial thing where... It's just more perspectives, and in the end, you get a better result. But I think what can also happen that uh, I'm a little worried about is going to become more sort of prevalent in the future, especially for players, is that, like, say I'm I'm like a, a skilled jungler or whatnot, and a team wants me to join their team, right? And then you recruit, like, one of these veteran players, one of these skilled players, or, like, you know, it can be anyone, not just me, like, double lift or sneaky or whatnot, and then... Uh, you bring in rookies that, and they're, you're basically just like using the experienced player to coach up the rookie and teach them everything you know. And then they just kind of like release the player and they're like, all right, thanks. Thank you for like helping us. See ya. Because like it's not going to happen in every situation, but look at Froggen and DeMonte, like that dynamic. DeMonte has said that one of the most impactful things in his career that like helped him get to the level he's at was getting to scrim against Froggen every single day for like, months on end right and now look at the how it's turned out Froggen is currently teamless and demonte is starting on echo fox so it's kind of a weird dynamic when like as an experienced player you're worried about this guy coming in like just taking your spot basically and you being left with nothing was that your experience with levi no it didn't really happen with levi but (laughs) But, i mean it's definitely something that can happen it basically happened as well with c9 with smoothie right like he I don't know how much coaching he personally did to Zazel, but Zazel was brought in, sat on the, the team on the academy squad for about, you know, seven months, a split and a half before kind of getting his, his start and smoothie ended up on Echo Fox as a result. So I can see where Medios is coming from. As a fan, like as, as someone who is not in a team environment like a fan, they probably are not super sympathetic because uh, they're just like, yeah, more regional strength is, is hopefully what they're getting out of it, which is, I think, what Marduk is probably saying. Uh, but I can see where it's not an ideal environment for a lot of players. Yeah, and, and I think one thing, too, that I don't really hear, hear ever get talked about, but sometimes I think that like uh, North American fans just kind of have unrealistic expectations at times. And you know, I think for, for whatever reason, every NA or not every, but a lot of NA fans seem to care, I think, too much about international success because, like, international tournaments happen, what, like, once or twice a year, Worlds being the main one. And, yeah, like, NA gets smacked at Worlds a lot, but I think there's a lot more factors that go into it than just, like, trying to push pro players past the point of breaking because, like, we have the smallest player base of any of the major regions. We solo queue on the worst ping of any of the major regions. And on top of that, there's just, like... I don't really know if it's something where NA should be expected to be a front runner in one of these world championship tournaments. There's a lot of stuff stacked against us. And yeah. for me, I kind of like enjoy rooting on NA as the underdog kind of thing. 
That's what Mark has said in the past, right? Is he, Mark your your famous statement? I think you have a lot of fame for saying this on Hotline League. Is uh, you know why you know why should NA be good at international tournaments? And you you right. said Instead people saying, there's no good answer there. Like why? Yeah, as opposed to saying why is NA bad, I I just like flipping the question around and be like, tell me why NA is good. Like, yeah. So going back to the C9 point and just specifically investment in new players i think it's actually huge um like i can understand why pro players not uh, some pro players would be like this is an uncomfortable situation but orgs should 100 percent push for it because i mean the success the united has had not just this split but all time doing it between ray and impact they ended up sticking with impact between smoothie and bunny when smoothie ended up being the better option for them like they've done it time and time again uh and i don't think it's a surprise that like you know, Golden Guardians did not invest very heavily in their academy roster. They traded their spot out of scouting grounds. Didn't seem to care about it. Also, didn't sign any imports. And then they have a the they're the only team to ever go back to back last place. Yeah. So, I think there's a lot of value to be gained in seriously considering all the talent that you see in North America, as opposed to writing off anyone, which I think has happened a lot in the past. But. Hey, yeah, I think so that's much. definitely a good point. I, I don't think it's a super black and white thing where there's only one way you can do it because, like, on one hand, you look at Cloud9's case, and I think all the players in that organization are, like, pretty happy with where they are and how they're doing things. I think that it's not just sort of, like, the action of taking a team and integrating the LCS players with the Academy players super closely. It's kind of, like, the intentions behind it because... Like, what if there's a player in that system that's just, like, withholding lots of stuff that they know while just trying to soak anything they can out of their counterpart, right? It's, like, it's not really a fair interaction at that point, but how do you judge that? Like, how do you see the player's intentions and uh, really, uh, I, I guess, make it run smoothly? Because it, to me, it just seems like there's a lot of risks that can happen with this system. Not to say it can't work, but I think it definitely kind of provides incentive that would break down team chemistry, especially with like the orgs pushing for it, even if it's uncomfortable for players. And for me, I feel that uh, any team where the players are comfortable and they feel like a lot of connection with each other and there's a lot of camaraderie, those teams are always going to be the best. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a terrible system, but I think it's something you have to be kind of careful with. Mark, how does that happen mm-hmm. in traditional sports or how's that handled? Because you do have like starters and non-starters and they all are training together kind of deal the biggest difference in traditional sports is that people get tired um and so you need subs like you literally like even if you're lebron james like you're not playing 48 minutes of a basketball game you're playing anywhere between 32 and 38 maybe 42 in the playoffs if you're a fucking amazing cardio player but like you literally need subs and so you literally need to practice together and that player will always get playing time. Um, and when you practice, you shuffle them too, you know? Yeah, so like you, you play different lineups, people get injured, they have to take a seat for six games, not even that long of a time. People are always just playing together different lineups and stuff. So it's very, very different in traditional sports. I'm not sure of an example off the top of my head that holds up really well where you have five players who can play every game, every time, and never need to come out still have subs that are used frequently yeah Uh, i'm trying to think of something but like i'm sure it happens all the time and like i don't know like dance like you have your best dancers and you have your backup dancers or something and 
sometimes someone gets a shot if they're not playing well or like jazz band or some shit like that like yeah i don't know how all that stuff works drumline yeah like i've watched a couple movies apparently there's backup drummers who want to get their shot if the other guy's not playing well or something and they just both practice yeah. um but i don't know Right, yeah, and and I definitely think that's that's valuable. I'm not trying to say that I don't think an academy system is good because, on the flip side, kind of like playing devil's advocate for what I was saying before, if you have a team that's just like five veteran players and they're just like super lazy, unmotivated, and kind of like just don't want to put in as much work as you need to, the org would kind of be like, all right, our hands are tied. Like if these guys don't want to play, then we're like we're screwed, right? So having the academy players as like some form of motivation or just like backups in case something happens to the main team is definitely important. Yeah. Um, I just think that for me, the big obstacle is just like how much are you expecting your more experienced players to coach and teach the less experienced players? And how much is it just on them to sort of learn on their own? Like, I'm not going to sit there and like big brother this dude, but I'll scrim against him and I'll like play to win. Like I'll be competitive, but... I'm not going to be like, hey, man, like, you know, when I punished you for this, if you did this, you totally would have beat my ass. And so <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I it's an like interesting dynamic. Both ways, you know? Hey, Mardux, thank you so much for the call. One quick question to Medias, real quick. Yeah. You know, okay. Uh, so do you think your sarcasm, you know, might come out as a little bit of a lack of respect to some of the stuff uh, from the orgs that you work in the past? Sarcasm? to make these sarcastic things which i think is super funny you know but like i've seen uh like uh the highs and that kind of stuff you know and i feel like maybe you know the staff will find it kind of disrespectful i'm uh, being sarcastic yeah, like can you give an example seems a little vague i'm not sure what the i i actually spaced out for two seconds what do you say uh he's I saying think... that uh media sometimes uses like sarcasm um, and then it might be disrespectful to the orgs that he's worked with in the past. Can you give an example of that, Mardix? I, I don't know. Like, for example, I think uh, uh, Nisha was uh, giving the yeast or something like that. And, I mean, you made this sarcastic remark, you know, which was pretty funny, you know. But, I mean, he showed off a little bit, you know. I think uh, we... Uh, I, I mean, I think, yeah, like, there's... I try to be professional in times when I should be professional. And then I think there's also room to kind of like be more lighthearted and joke around about stuff so yeah i mean i think that uh being unprofessional at times when i should be professional or not taking things seriously enough can be disrespectful but i don't know if it's it's again like something that's super black and white that um is like yeah you should never ever joke you should be like a stalwart robot player especially through video medium where you're not there like it's very hard to judge what is the appropriate mood and setting for something when you're watching it on a video. Hey, Marduk, sorry, we have to move on because uh, we, we started kind of late, but thank you so much for your call. All right, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, have a good one. All right, um, before, second part. before we move on, we have to do something really quick, which I'm very excited to do. Minos, if you want to go get some water or something, you can totally do that. Um, but feel free to chill as well. It's time to talk about our sponsor for the show, uh, Omen by HP. They sponsored the show for quite some time now. I want to uh, thank them so much. They've hooked us up. Oh, we lost Minos' webcam. Hopefully he comes back. Um, they've hooked us up uh, with some gear 
uh, actually a great deal of gear. This is being all my setup and all that stuff is being run on uh, Allman stuff, the computer, the production computer behind me where people are doing uh, right, not right now, but I've had people come in and edit on it um, and capture footage and all that stuff for the, the stuff that I do. Uh, they, they do a great deal of, of amazing stuff for the show. Uh, <laughs> Twitch chat right now is saying tidy cat, uh, tidy cat. No, we didn't hear back. They didn't reach them. out. No, they did not reach out. Uh, which is just, it shows you, you know, tidy cat, they probably got a great product, but Owen by HP, they've got a great product and they're supporting a great product and supporting, uh, CLG and overwatch league and not the show. They're, they're also show, supporting a mediocre product and supporting hotline league. Um, so either way, thank them. Uh, thank you so much. If you are, if you're watching this right now, do me a favor, go follow them on uh, Twitter, drop it into Twitch chat. Uh, if you're watching the VOD, go check out the description. Go tell them hi. Say thanks for showing. They've got all sorts of cool programs going on all the time. You can find all, all the information on Twitter. It's a great place to just follow them and, and share your support for their support of the show. So thank you so much to Owen by HP uh, for sponsoring Hotline League. Very good. Let's move on to the next caller as I uh, shout out some subs. Uh PB Han seven ten SK Milk Justin J two nine nine Big Mars three two three Rico Suave eight six one nine three uh, Blind Mute M nine Shyamalan Shyamalan X Kikoa Seismus one hundred four Baka Tensai and Avora gift the sub to Lopiron uh, C nine Antonio Fredo five ten and Soundwave Canada. Did you get a drink, Medios? Yeah, I I got some water. Nice. That's very refreshing. You have to stay hydrated, otherwise the hydration bot shows up in your chat and yells at you. That's we got true. Colin on the show right now. Colin, where are you calling from? Uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake City, Utah. Have you been on the bef- the show before? Uh, no, it's my first time. Okay. I think I there's think we we've had another g- call in. Yeah, we've had a lot of um, Salt Lake City calls as well. I feel like there must be a pretty big league player base there. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't live exactly in Salt Lake City, but I'm pretty close. So. Okay. Well, regardless, that area. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Uh, the first TSM topic uh, I want to talk about because you know they had such a tough year. I was I did. Should they make changes for next year? And if they should, uh, what would those changes be? Or like, if it's like roster, or like management stuff like that. Well, here we go. Ooh, that's a let's get definitely going. a tough one open-ended um no, no no i mean like this i mean this was obviously the conversation everybody's going to be having i actually on my stream earlier i thought that soren for some reason in my mind i had it that soren would be his contract was ending this year but it actually ends next year so theoretically unless like some sort of trade happens or there's a buyout on his contract you got bjergsen still there i don't know what uh one maybe we can start this by reflecting a little bit on the roster decisions that they made this year it uh, feels like they had a, a hard time figuring out a good jungle situation. Uh, or am I wrong? Uh, Medios and, and Mark, did, what did you guys think about Mike Young and then Greg throughout this year? I don't well, think you go, Medios. Oh, uh, it's hard for me to say. I do think that uh, in my experience from playing against both of them, that Greg is a stronger player right now. And it, it was the right call for TSM to put in Greg instead of Mike Young, especially because of... Uh, their strengths as players. Like, I think Mike Young does better on carry-style junglers, like, you know, Lisa and Nidalee. And Greg is going to do a lot better on the supportive tanky initiator junglers, which for, like, how TSM's looking to play, Greg's play style is going to be a lot more beneficial. Okay. Do you think Greg did a good job this split? 
I think Greg did do a good job in the split. I think that the position he had to come into was extremely difficult, like insanely difficult. You're coming into a team of like very like the most established team in maybe like all of League of Legends, right? With the most uh brutal fan base at times, you know, like it can be very hard. And then you're also coming in as the rookie to like, you know, Sven and Mithy were like the best bot lane in Europe that came in here. You have Bjergsen, considered one of the best mid laners of all time. And so he's he's in a very difficult position, but I, I do think he actually played pretty well given the position that he found himself in. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this. I don't think that they should keep the same roster because I feel like they had a year. They couldn't make it work, and I don't know why they couldn't make it work. Do you guys have... Any idea? Because that's the big question I think that everybody should be asking is like, what went wrong? Because they had all the right ingredients. A lot of people want to blame. Oh, we lost our webcam, Mark. A lot of people want to um, blame. Did we? Are you here? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Wow, Skype is just awful tonight. Um, Skype's awful all the time. It is, but for some reason tonight in particular. Hello. <laughs> Dear God. Um, all right. Uh, I think the question should be what went wrong and and why and how do you and then once you figure out what went wrong you figure out how to solve it because um, it's not that Sven and Mithy weren't good right like we Sven and Mithy were good or am I crazy here I think uh, I think they were good but um it, it seemed like they didn't really live up to the expectation that people had of them like they weren't just dominating lanes crushing lanes getting massive 2v2 advantages they were actually kind of put on just like this kind of go even play style. I never really felt like they were trying to win. They were there for like, I think, I know when I practiced against them, maybe it changed a bit in summer, but it was just like, okay, their bot lane is the Braum Ezreal players. You looked at their win rate and it was like 80% win rate on Braum Ezreal, 0% win rate on anything else. So I I think that my take on TSM is just that um, because of all the pressure surrounding the team, it was kind of a hard environment. And I noticed that, like, when Weldon came in to give him that playoff buff, like, people meme about it, but it's actually a super real thing. I think that Weldon was able to bring the team together and give him that, like, cohesion that they were missing because when you're on a team like TSM, especially when you're, like, a player that's trying to make a name for yourself, you don't want to be the guy that's responsible for, like, losing your team games, right? But in turn, that can also kind of make you the guy who's not winning your team games either. I think that TSM just sort of, like had this passive play style where none of their players were bad, but they weren't really extending themselves and taking enough risks to really like sort of like exert their pressure onto the other team. They just were sort of like this, yeah, we're going to scale well team. We're probably not going to do anything super stupid, but we're going to be like kind of indecisive and play slow. So I think that um, they definitely could make this the same roster work, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see them try to shake things up. Here's a question for you guys. If, because there's an alternate world here where Cloud9 beat Team Liquid. I had nothing to say. Sorry, Mark? Huh? Oh, I sound like I heard you talking. Um, Yeah, well, that's because I I was trying to talk. Okay, sorry. (laughs) One real quick question here, though. There's a world here where Cloud9 beats Team Liquid. Does TSM then go to Worlds? We can assume that they did. They would have, right? Because they beat 100 Thieves in the third, fourth place, they probably would have beat them again. Would we be having this conversation if that happened? I, I think that as, as far as North American teams go, I think that TSM is stronger than 100 Thieves right now. And 
if Cloud9 won that finals match, I would have expected TSM to win through the gauntlet. Mark? Uh, yeah, maybe. I think their their match versus 100 Thieves was super duper close. Maybe they come back and do much better. I mean, they crush Echo Fox, who's seen the mental boom. But I think uh, the whole point of this roster was to go to Worlds and kind of do well at Worlds where their previous rosters had failed. You know, like that was the whole reason they did this. And so even if they went to Worlds, if they lost in group stage again, which it feels like they probably would looking at their current level of play, I bet people would still be disappointed at the end of it. Um, It might not have been as harsh or as drastic as it is, but um, I think there's a couple things to to go back a little bit that you can kind of highlight that went wrong for uh, TSM this year. And obviously, if the team ever says anything contradictory to this, the team will probably has a lot more insight than we do. But one... The jungle situation didn't pan out at all, even though I think I agree with Medios that Grig stepped up and did a pretty admirable job given the position he was in. That's not at all what people were expecting, the jungle position at the beginning of the year. Two, their coaching staff completely fell apart. Um, you saw like four different people coming on stage at different points in time, or three. Started with Song, then Lost Boy, then Parth, and like all this other stuff was going on. So like clearly their coaching staff never gelled together. I don't think their play style ended up making much sense when you like broke it down exactly. Like, Sven and Mithy, usually not super aggressive players. They kind of have that EU bot lane mentality that, like, Reckless also has, where it's a lot about, like, becoming very effective in the mid and late game. And they lost the pressure point in double lift, and they never worked together. And then as well as probably having too many cooks, like, it sounds like they butted heads really heavily over how to play the game. So, like, all those things are pretty concerning. And I would expect at least two players to change out. Right, and I think what you said about losing doublelift as a pressure point is something that uh, is really important in my eyes because, you know, in the League community, like, there's a lot of ways to look at the game, right? Like, League of Legends is a game that by no means is solved. It's always, it's always like, people are finding out new strategies and new ways to do things. But the thing that I focus on when I look at a player's strength, it's not really, like, their stats or their KDA or, like, CS differentials or anything like that. It's just, like, who is creating the pressure for your team? Who is taking your game out of neutral? And like making the other team respect you. Like you look at a player like Huni, right? He receives a lot of shit, but every single person on the planet knows that when you play against Echo Fox, you have to think about what they're gonna do top lane because like he's he's that kind of player. He has so much pressure. When you play against TL, it's the same way with double lift. You're like, okay, well, like if we leave their bot lane 2v2, they're probably gonna be getting advantages, right? So like those pressure points and their aggressive players, I think they're just kind of missing right now. Do you uh Colin, what do you think about any of this? Um, why would, from a TSM fan standpoint, uh, I saw promise at the end of the year because, I mean, improving from six, going from sixth place, losing quarters to, uh, going to third. I mean, that's not bad, uh, improvement. And like you guys said, like if C9 won that finals, um, pretty sure they go to worlds. Uh, so, I mean, I would be pretty upset. Uh, if they just like change stuff about the roster, uh, I do agree with the coaching thing where they had like Song and then they had the Lust Boy and then they had two coaches and then they would switch the two coaches. It it didn't feel like they really gelled that much, and so yeah, I just I would be kind of upset if they uh, got rid of players. I wouldn't. I see where you're coming from, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some of them change out. Um, like, I think Grig, like we said, performed admirably, but I don't think that's who people 
since the whole goal is to be performing well at Worlds, I don't think Grig is that guy for them right now. Um, so when I, I, he might change out, and then like I thought Hanser had a pretty underwhelming year all around. Um, there was never a point where he was really even in discussion of top three when that's kind of what he was for a little while for TSM. So I think you, you maybe need to take a hard look at him. And then if you want to keep the bot lane, that's going to take up both your import slots. So I think even they can potentially be looked at like, I don't know. That's that's how I would think about it. But I don't know if Medios and Travis think differently. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, if I was TSM's coach, the, the, the biggest thing that I think they should probably try is just kind of like with what we were talking about earlier with cloud nine is like trying out different things because as far as i know aside from jungle like they, they've never even attempted to use a sub or to like get new perspectives on things and like walt bjergsen is like the staple point of tsm and uh he's a great player but i think that at least trying different like bring in a mid laner just just like not necessarily play on stage, but just try scrims to like get new perspectives on things. Because when you get so used to doing things one way, you might not even like know that there are other ways you can try things. So I think that TSM could definitely benefit from just like trying out different uh, team setups. I'm most looking at SKT. Like if you think about them, the way they brought in Pyrian and someone who's like a sub on Phoenix One in North America is not a better mid laner than Faker, but he just had a fresh take on the game. And sometimes that can kind of like re-motivate the team, get people to see things in different ways, maybe even give Faker additional perspective. Uh, so I think that that's something that TSM could benefit from a lot. I think now that you said that, the perfect person for me would probably be Huhi, because he feels like he is probably one of the people who approaches the mid lane the most different from Bjergsen. And he TSM Huhi would be a crazy world. I'm not saying like starter or you're benching Bjergsen for him, but like. Yeah. If you were talking about bringing perspective, I think who he plays the game so different from just a lot of mids in general, but right. also uh, Bjergsen. I... And... Go ahead. I think who he would be a really good choice for them. Uh, I mean, obviously, we don't know what CLG is doing or if who he's even, like, looking for that kind of thing. Right, right. But, um, yeah, like, I saw a lot of Twitch chat comments being like, bench Bjerg, bench Bjerg, Bjerg's the problem and stuff. And, and I mean, that's just, like, kind of what TSM fans are going to do. Like, they just kind of enjoy the noise of things. But, um, <laughs> it, I do think there's something there as far as... It's not that Bjergsen's the reason that TSM hasn't done well or that they're going to have more success with someone else. But I think just, like, for the sake of change and, like, freshening things up, it could definitely be beneficial. It's really interesting, by the way, because when I went to go interview uh, the, the guys over at C9 yesterday, I talked to Zazel... Um, but after the interview and he was just saying that like TSM was just crushing it in scrims and Jack was saying TSM is so good. Um, it's a pity they're not going to worlds. And so it's just, it's really interesting because this is again, one of those times where like, yeah, obviously the strength of the team is actually how they show up on stage, but it's crazy to hear that like through, throughout this whole year, people just kept saying like behind the scenes, TSM so good, TSM so good. It's just crazy that they could never bring it out on stage. Well, and that's why I think like you might not see a ton of changes because if you remove like I, some of those pain points that we talked about, like oh, if their coaching staff was just something that was more cohesive the whole year, and if the jungler that they picked at the start of the year actually worked out, you know, maybe maybe it's a totally different story. Um, so let me. I don't think you necessarily need sweeping changes, but let me ask you guys uh, this question. If 
So I, I believe they're under a two-year contract, I think. We'd have to check. I'm, I'm not sure. But if, check right now. if Mithy and Sven were both to go to Andy and say, hey, we want to go home. Uh, and Andy's like, look, I know you're under a two-year contract, but we'll trade you. We'll figure something out. Everyone's through 2019, but Mike yeah. Young. So what is, is TSM have a chance at looking like, I, I wonder a little bit if they have seeded their legacy and the roster changes last year, right? Because how, how easy is it going to be for them to, uh, for a long time, it was any, any player in the world would, or any player in North America, at least, and in a lot of other regions would drop everything they can to get to TSM. But the market is much more competitive now, right? Like, People can look at um, a lot of different teams and think like, oh, maybe I can go play for, for them. The, the compensation has gone up. Uh, EU is going to go into franchising. Like, is there a world where like TSM struggles to climb out of the hole that they might have dug themselves for this year? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's obviously not great. Um, but just looking at like the viewership on all the different docu-series i mean tsm legends is still doing pretty good uh so i think they still have a lot of clout in the community i think there's no other team that would miss worlds and then the next day i have like eight threads about their players on it um so i think there's still that like interest for a lot of people who are coming up in the scene like if you want to get your name out there like tsm's the team to do it uh I do think that the aura is gone of, like, you join TSM, you're instantly the best in North America, though. One thing I've noticed, too, that, like, you've talked about how, like, the players coming into TSM don't aren't, like, they don't blow up as fast. And something that I noticed, uh, back in the day, when a player would join one of the top teams, like TSM or something, their social media numbers would skyrocket. Yeah. Like, just boom. Who brought this? Biofrost right brought now, this up. Yeah, like, Greg's been playing the whole split with TSM, and he has, like, 5K Twitter followers, so... It definitely seems like uh, they don't have that level of, I guess, prestige anymore where anyone who's on their team is considered just like an amazing player or something like that. Yeah, yeah that, that that was something I, I got. Um, I was hanging out with Vincent the other day and he brought that up as well. So it's interesting that like two pro players in the same week to me are, are noticing that stuff. Medios, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm not asking you if you're joining TSM. I'm not asking anything like that. There was a... a a episode that we did of the show when you, you left hundred T where I clipped out a, a segment that was like, should Medios join TSM? And it, it went bonkers on YouTube. And in that segment, Mark was saying like, I don't know if TSM is like the type of place that Medios would like, uh, because you tend to like teams that feel much more like, Hey, we're a bunch of friends. Like let's kick some ass. And TSM has historically been rumored to be like a highly competitive environment. So I'm kind of curious, like from a player style, from a personal style, like what do you, what do you as a player think of the, like, what would that experience be like for you? And what are your kind of thoughts on, on if you would even gel well with the TSM? Right. And, um, I think it's definitely a good question. And I think that like, I probably have a different answer than some people would, but, uh, I, I guess an, an example I can use was going from 100 thieves to FlyQuest Academy. 100 thieves was a team where like, it was a good organization. The owners were nice. Um, the players were all respectful and like there was nothing really bad about the team but i just didn't feel that good when i was there like i, I felt stressed more than i had fun um it just like i felt like no one on the team was like in a super amazing mindset as opposed to when i came to flyquest academy like when i came here i was just like why am i here like 
this is so weird that I'm in this situation. I guess I'll just do my best. And I actually found like myself so much happier on this team just because uh, I got along with my teammates so much better. Like the guys on this team are so funny. Like they kind of just reinvigorated me and like made me remember why I first started playing this game just to have fun. So I don't think that I would do well in an environment like TSM's where it's, you know, so tense, so competitive, so like under the spotlight. And I feel, I'm sure those players feel so much pressure and like, maybe their like mental health takes a hit from it. That's just yeah. something that I'm not super interested in. I care a lot more about my mental health as a player and just like having a good time while also trying to be a good team. Yep. Very good. Hey, I want to thank you so much, Colin, for calling in. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Okay. Have a good one. You too. By the way, Brian Kibler in the chat said the fashion on this show has gone up. Thanks so much. I'm wearing an Ateo shirt. Uh, so it's nice of you to notice, Brian. That's really cool of you. They make great products. Yeah. Uh, good friends of theirs. So uh, that's really nice of you, Brian. Big fan. Kibler's the man. Um, let's see. Where are we? Uh, C9 Antonio, Fredo510, Soundwave Canada, Action, Dat Cheezer, Killing You Guy, Korean2NA, Rurunusiozioz, sorry, Ski Fryan, who I guess, do you, are you, do you know who that is, Minios? Because you reacted in chat. Ski Fryan. Oh, Ski Fryan, yeah. He's like probably my oldest sub on Twitch. Like, oh, shit, Kibler's here. What's that? Kibler's here. Yeah, he was in there earlier. He was really excited about my, um, a tail shirt, I think. Uh, he said something about the apparel. Danny, I some liquid hoodie. Danny Grimm, the hero of the show and helping Medios get his webcam fixed. I, Mark, did you pick him because of that? No, I like his topic. Okay. Well, Danny Grimm, no favoritism. Where are you calling from? Calling from Redmond, Washington. Redmond, Washington. Okay, I'm going to turn you up. You're a little quiet. Um, what do you want to talk about on... Do you work for Microsoft? Yeah. Have you been on the show before and have I asked you this question? Uh, no, but I've talked to you in Twitch chat when you were doing IRL streams. Oh, okay. okay. Very good. Well, um, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Right. So I wanted to talk about how I don't think any team from any region should qualify to Worlds based on championship points. And I guess my main reason is Worlds should be like this big tournament once a year all the best teams at that moment should be represented at worlds and since slots are kind of it's not like every region gets 10 slots or anything it's very few slots and we should only be seeing the best teams and i feel like when you start counting championship points you like no hate towards hard thieves but um you get situations where like the fourth best team in the region qualifies so i guess what i'm trying to say is only one team should qualify from playoffs. Everyone else should fight for whatever slots are left. They should only qualify from play from playoffs. Uh, like one team, one team from from playoffs. Obviously, summer playoffs, and yeah. everyone else fight either through gauntlet or some other system. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So without getting into the specifics of the system, the main talking point is no one should qualify off points. Championship points. Okay. Yeah. So do you do you in this system? Does spring split not matter? And I mean, I, I was I was thinking about it for a while because you want Spring Split to mean something, but I guess it should only help you with seeding in Gauntlet, which should be a big deal, assuming only one team qualifies through playoffs. So you want to get a better seed, so you, you 
don't have to fight, I guess, as hard. So yeah. it should be something, or maybe like come up with a different system. But in the current system, I still think that only one team should qualify uh, yeah. through playoffs. Everyone else shouldn't. Like championship points is just for seeding. Danny Grimm, do you have a favorite team? Uh, Cloud Nine, actually. But... Okay. Uh, so people were suspicious. You were a TSM fan. Um, <laughs> on, on the topic of spring not mattering, I think going to MSI is good, and I think seeding in the gauntlet is still good. Like, imagine if C9 had to show their Hecarim pick against Echo Fox, and TSM was above them in the gauntlet, and then they're like, oh shit, they're playing Hecarim into Aatrox. Better learn this fucking matchup so I don't have to do it on stage. Um, I think that is an advantage. So uh, I think, you know, spring would still matter. Would it be as sexy as, like, I got second in spring, and now I'm at Worlds? No, but... Uh, you know, do we? Is it better to have a team qualifying from points in spring? Is is the question? Yeah, I I definitely think it's um, an issue with no easy answer because on one hand, nobody wants to see a team go to Worlds that's not actually like the best from their region, and circuit points can allow that to happen at times. Like I think a lot of people were unhappy about the way Hundred Thieves qualified given their recent performance, and I think it happened one or two years ago with CLG as well where they got in and not everyone was happy about it. Yeah, that was the MSI. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that it's unfortunate when it happens, when, like, you can't see your favorite team that's playing well right now go to Worlds because of something like circuit points. Uh, so I think a different system could be good. The only thing you have to think about is how do you make Spring Split not useless? And that's the big question for everyone. Circuit points were designed as a way to kind of make Spring Split matter more because you won't just have a team that's, like, you know, giving zero like care in the world to the spring split and then just tryharding in summer and then getting in. So uh I wish Jat was here. Were you here when he was giving that yeah, like Yeah, he had like this patient Jat fucking was this on the analyst desk or what? No, no, no. This wasn't like the Cassier Green Room. Okay. We were talking about the same topic and Jat's like I have a system I was thinking about, and then someone was jokingly like, "There's a whiteboard there if you want to write it down." And then he just goes up on the whiteboard and he writes this huge thing. So he, if Jat was here, <laughs> after we left on Sunday, he went and wrote it on a napkin and took a picture on his phone and sent it to me. Yeah. Wait, do you have it? I I shouldn't I shouldn't show it without talking with him, but yeah, okay. he sent it. I mean, one of the things that we were discussing was basically making the gauntlet function more like a double elimination bracket in conjunction with the um uh actual playoff bracket so that like as you lose in playoffs you get dropped into the gauntlet at different points and people who have oh. championship points who then like in spring if you didn't get seated into the playoffs you would then have it so it was it was something like that we were there were a lot of different ideas around it and i think spring split matters a lot more than when championship points were initially introduced because there was no there was no msi if i remember until 25th yeah, 2015, they got rid of All Stars. All Stars initially, where yeah. it was. Yeah, they, they just rebranded All Stars, essentially. Yeah, 2015 was All Stars, and it sucked. And I think 2016 was the first MSI yeah. then. Yeah. So, so I, I forget exactly uh, when it came around, but I think with MSI becoming a lot more prestigious of a tournament in the last two years, the need for like championship points to carry a lot of weight to make Spring matter has decreased. Like, I think. TL was very happy to like be rewarded with the chance to play at MSI uh, for winning spring. So I still think spring would, would matter plenty. Um, you should text Jet and tell him to call yeah, him. Yeah, actually, I, I remember parts of Jet's thing. Like, obviously, I don't remember the whole thing, but it was something like uh, 
you're it, it was a double elimination gauntlet tournament thing but what a problem you're into with a lot of double elimination tournaments is like the grand final is really weird because like how much of an advantage do you give to the guy coming from the winner's bracket versus the losers so and with what jat was saying it was a case where it would just be like at the end of the tournament like the top three teams go to worlds it doesn't really matter if you're number one or not right so, that's, that's uh, yeah, yeah that's exactly what he and i were talking about as well where it's like you i was saying that you want to run the gauntlet actually concurrent with the the thing so that way your finals weekend is actually your final weekend it's not the gauntlet later because it's really weird to have like yes at least for me it's really weird to have yep. this hype ass venue that is very important for the first second place match but then you come back and play a week at like this kind of dull venue and even though tsm versus c9 to qualify for worlds should have been super duper hype it still feels hard to match yep. the hype in the venue so i was saying you want to combine the gauntlet and the playoffs together so that way your final weekend is at a venue and it's the one two match which is determining seating for worlds and the third fourth place match which is technically the end of the gauntlet run which people have been dropping into as they've dropped out of playoffs i am super on board with that because i for a long time have felt like gauntlet is a very very cool event but weirdly placed like you should cap off the entire summer split with the finals like everything builds to that and then afterwards you've got this other thing that at times can feel more hype than the yep. finals if you've got shit like it's just it's really weird so i am 100 down for integrating got that there you should text jet and tell him to come on the show uh yeah, danny well, Grimm, what were you gonna say oh uh, sorry go ahead i i wasn't actually talking but since <laughs> you've given you've given me uh well, I, I think the big reason why i want to push for sorry double danny is because uh in the current playoff system i think there's a lot of situations where like a really good team like two really good teams will meet early in the playoffs like if you look at um spring playoffs i think like team liquid and cloud nine met in the quarterfinals right and cloud nine just has this way of losing in quarterfinals during playoffs sometimes and they might not even be like the fifth sixth worst team maybe they're the second best team but if you hit the first best team round one like you're kind of screwed so i'm personally a big fan of double elimination i think it's like pretty fun to watch so hopefully they can find some system where you can integrate that and give like the most combination of like fair, exciting, and competitive uh, for all the teams. Danny, I'd love to hear you talk. Yeah, um, I, I want to add on to. Well, what so Danny one thing said. I want to toss in here as well. <laughs> uh, adding on to what Medios was saying, I like from other esports uh, where they don't have like an established league, uh, you get to see. Once a year, you get to see like this huge qualifiers happening, uh, which is kind of like Gauntlet. And I really like that that even like the strongest teams have to like work for a qualifier, and you get like epic games, and it's super fun. So I, I definitely think that expanding Gauntlet to some extent would be super nice. And then again, to kind of reiterate what I was saying, I mean, it's nice that you had a good spring split, but that was like a whole what four months ago, and if you're not the best. Like, if you're not the first, second, or third best team in the region, you shouldn't be representing uh, that region at Worlds. And it's just, like, plain and simple, in, at least in my opinion. It, it, again, no hate towards anyone that qualified over points. That's not the point. The point is that you need to be the best for Worlds to be kind of the best tournament. And especially since there's no real way to say, like, even if you're fourth place and qualifying, you can't really say how much weaker you are than the third place team so there might be like a huge disparity but since you did good in spring split you still qualify and that's like a 
a very kind of bad scenario for the tournament. So yeah, I guess just either come up with a different system, expand Gauntlet, something else. Just don't have somebody qualified that is not the first, second, or third best team in the region. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, Danny, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, anything you want to add at the end here? No, thanks for having me. Thanks for fixing the issue earlier. Anytime. Yeah. Oh, anytime? Thanks. Great, because I've got a lot of Skype issues, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up all the time. <laughs> oh, no. All right, you. You, you, can, you can DM me. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, cool. All right. He said he works at Microsoft, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Do I realized he works on Skype I at mean, Microsoft. I don't like. I don't. He's not an official Microsoft representative. I don't want to get him in trouble. Who <laughs> knows what he works on? He might do QA for Office three sixty five. Um. All right, Alex Shepard ninety nine. Thank you for the resub. Medios hotline is best hotline. Odavi subbed. Uh, unit ZGG. Uh, killing your guy reset for three months. I'm in the market for a gaming keyboard. I think my ma next one may be one from Oma by HTTP. Thank you. Tiny Memoirs, C9 Eclipse, Robot Bear Shark subbed. Uh, R Farley Dude 97 subbed. RX Dealer 89, Adorkable Jerk, Shiny Froki reset for seven months. Uh, Adopey Donkey, Alnut 138, uh, and Bonzo TV, Bunzo TV, sorry, and uh, Coco, Coco Cup. Six six, I think is how. All right, whatever. And we're all caught up on Twitch subs. It'd be a pity if I lost my movement. Uh, Friction is here. Is here. How's it going? Friction is here. I didn't even think about that. Don't be good. You're quiet. Can you move a little closer to your mic? I can. Is that better? Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, I am calling from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Nice. I've Canadian. actually been there. Our first can Wait, you've been there, Medios? Yeah, I think you make Masters there. Yeah, yeah, that's... I did there, the like, university. years ago. Nice. That's yeah, cool. University. Did you see Medios there? Uh, no, I don't go to... I'm, I'm in the college. Okay. In the city. Gotcha. Well, hey, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um. So, my, my hot take is that after a year of franchising, it doesn't feel like... Uh, LCS is any more competitive like there's no reason almost for me to watch like Golden Guardians play or sorry Medios but like FlyQuest play <laughs> like it, if they're playing like someone like TL or C9 it just feels like they're just going to stomp and there's no reason to tune in Golden Guardians like, was no number one at one point in time in the split and FlyQuest up until the very end was pretty high well they actually made playoffs yeah and yeah, but that, that didn't go so well for them. They got pretty. They got stomped by a hundred thieves. That's true. Sorry, continue your thought. Um, and yeah, it just feels like there's no like, Golden Guardians. Yeah, they they had their Heimer Fiddle strat going for a while, but then, like, come like the clutch time, it just seems like they can't turn it on, and it's the veteran like teams and orgs that are winning out, again and again and again. Um. Well, Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, I think you can definitely point some fingers at some decisions that 100 Thieves made, or not, excuse me, uh, that Golden Guardians made that were not so great, but I don't think it's quite fair to hold those against the franchising system um, or even to say that this had no impact because, I mean, Golden Guardians were not very good, but they were still not like 1 in 17 
or something like we've seen out of the coasts and stuff before. And okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, the, was like, this not the, the I velocities? Mean, Medios and Mark, tell me, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like this was the most competitive split we've ever had in North America. Um, yes and no. I think Envy with Lyra in spring or maybe it was the summer last anyway summer 2017 or maybe spring 2017 was really competitive as well but we did have in spring if you remember like five 11 and seven teams all battling for playoffs um or whatever it was and then again there was a super close playoffs race where optic almost made it in a team that came in through franchising and they improved significantly between spring and summer same with FlyQuest. a lot of these teams that uh would struggle otherwise uh, 100 thieves obviously came in and did very well but they basically recruited a whole veteran roster so i feel like it's a, i have a hard time saying that the, the league didn't get somewhat better though i do think golden guardians was disappointing so is the main concern that there's no more relegation like do you feel that these teams shouldn't be able to keep their spot given their performance or like what is the concern not, not, with not franchising. That, really. it, it's just i have no like there there's no reason for me to really be invested i feel like in golden guardians or like the lower teams because it's like at at their current level of play they're not going to they're not going to worlds they're not going they're not going to playoffs like it's but, hard to be a fan of that team when they they don't seem to be very competitive do you feel like you need to, though? I would agree that Golden Guardians hasn't done that great of a job so far, but like Mark was touching on, I think it viewing that as a failure of the franchising system as a whole is kind of hard for me to agree with because uh, there have been teams like 100 Thieves that came that came in and like have done so well, and some of those older teams that were always frontrunners, like CLG now, have fallen kind of to the bottom of the pack. So uh, in my mind, franchising has... I mean, I'm not necessarily going to like defend or criticize franchising because I think there are some good and bad parts of it, but I don't know if it's like entirely related to the state of the league or, or like how much you're going to care about certain matches because I think that LCS has always kind of had like top teams and bottom teams. That's just kind of the nature of it. If there's 10 teams that's all playing against each other, every match is one winner, one loser, and there are going to be teams that are better than other ones. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I I think you're operating off of the assumption that franchising should make you care about all the teams. I don't think it should. If you look at most franchise leagues in the world, like there's a lot of teams that are at the bottom, and the only reason people care about them is because they are from like, there. Yeah, from that area, and even then, those teams struggled with viewership and turnout at their live events and all that stuff. So, like, if the if the if the the Stance is like, hey, franchising feels like a failure because I don't care about some of these shitty teams. I guess I would say I don't know if franchising was ever supposed to make you care about some of the shitty teams. I think it was just supposed to make things more competitive and like also give the ability to um, the existing teams to invest more into their teams because they know they're not going to get relegated, right? Like I don't know if 100T comes in, drops as much money as they did to make a, a star roster, spends as much on content creation, and you know, feels as good about it because they could disappear next split. Yeah, I think that the big thing, at least for me, from like a player and organization standpoint that franchising has helped with is giving more of that job security so that bigger investors are more comfortable coming in because 
take a team like what was one of those like one split teams that came in before franchising right like if i'm an investor yeah like if you if you're a team organize like a team owner and you want to own an lcs team you have to invest so much money like you have to get a team house in la which is very expensive you're playing you're paying most players six-figure salaries you're providing like food for them lots of other staff so the expenses are very high and if there's just like a chance that your team is gone next split based on performance which you know is pretty much outside of the owner's control a lot of the time it's going to discourage you from wanting to get invested and just losing all your money so i do think that franchising has helped in that aspect yeah i mean like a lot of people have said there's always winners and losers but i do think this season and i don't think once again it's not fair to much like it's not fair to attribute some of the, the worst parts of the season to franchise. I don't think it's fair to attribute the best parts either. But like, hey, TSM didn't make Worlds. Like, that's fucking crazy. Would that have happened in a non-franchise system? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Same with like, uh, you know, CLG tanking, like Medios was saying. Like, I think this this has seen a ton of crazy stuff happen over the course of this split. And I don't think it's all due to franchising, of course, but I think there were a lot of really interesting storylines this year. And I don't think franchising hurt that in any way yeah hey uh friction any other thoughts um yeah i think i think failure was maybe maybe an over exaggeration on my part that's um, fine yeah no. no it's it's still a good point you brought up yeah, though. yeah. the question yeah, i think I, it's it is a good point and i think we will be doing this more on on later episodes of hotline league throughout the year probably after worlds as well reflecting on what was good and what was bad about franchising what was the 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 value that we gained and where where has it failed us and if if you would like to see more competition and teams that seem a little bit more impressive than what you saw to golden guardians i think that's a fair point so yeah i just i guess like the the too lazy didn't read of it is just like i felt like they riot and the lcs like hyped it up as like it was going to inject all this like money and like interest in the league and like some of the teams just didn't seem to like put out the content like i don't think i ever saw anything like squad from golden guardians or optic well, or any of those I teams don't, or optic Clutch. did do one by the way they had their own show i also don't know yeah. if every team needs to be doing a squad um like yeah. I, hopefully that a lot I, of I different teams do get a little things. oversaturated when like every single team is wants yeah. to be like the tsm game cribs of season two yeah do you want to watch point, you only have so many hours in a day you can't watch all that stuff yeah do you want to watch a golden guardian squad i don't yeah yeah no but like to his point they can yeah. be doing something better sure. like they didn't yeah that, that's all i'm trying to say yep yeah oh Agreed. i definitely agree that a lot of these orgs uh especially the newer ones like we've mentioned 100 thieves did a pretty good job i would say that of the other new ones that came in like optic clutch and golden guardians they didn't do as well as they could have, but I, I would give them the benefit of the doubt that we didn't hear, I didn't hear tons of negative things about those orgs from within. Like a lot of the players seems like, uh, it made it seem like the orgs are at least trying. And I think that a lot of it can just be summed up by inexperience because uh, look at TSM and Cloud9, they've been doing this since the inception of the leak, even before that. So they've got a lot more experience. They know how to do it a lot better. So I think just naturally these new teams coming in just haven't been in the space that long and they're going to need some time just to like sort everything out to be honest i don't want to watch a uh, clg squad either i say that knowing nick allen is in the twitch Thanks. chat i just saw him pop up. i want to watch a travis gafford 
squad. Well, there's uh, there's a couple things up. on. If you should go check out my vlogs videos. Okay. There's one where I wake up shirtless next to a body pillow. It's it's a lot racier. Ooh. There's a lot more content uh, going on there than there are any of these team docs. You see some real you see some real shit. Hey, uh, fixation, fixation. Thank you so much for the call. No problem. Have a good night, guys. Okay. Have a good you one. Too. It's All right. Fiction. We've got one mind. more uh, coming in. Uh, any second, we should be seeing somebody. Um, by the way, thank you to uh, Yamita God, Donican fucking Johns, Every Laner's Dream, Mister Kramer, and Ine for the subs. Just now, yeah. we are uh, we're we've surpassed my highest ever sub point thing. Uh, NRJ, uh, welcome to the show. I'm just going to call you NRJ because I don't want to read those numbers off. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. You can just call me Nick also. Hey, Nick. Can I call yep. you 6,490? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Nick, what? That's what my friends call me. Where, <laughs> where are you calling from? Uh, I'm from Boston. From Boston, nice. Hey. Okay, that's uh, where Mark is from, I think. Oh, yeah, I think I knew that. Oh, did you? Did yeah. you care? I care a lot. Okay, good. I could I could hear it in your voice. <laughs> Have you ever thought or worried that the sarcasm that you display on the show might uh, cause an issue for your relationship with the people on it? <laughs> uh, I didn't thought of that, no. Uh, Nick, what do you want to talk about in the show? Uh, so when I was watching the uh, C9TSM Gauntlet Finals, something Afro said on the desk uh, kind of stuck with me. I think he said the best play style is your own style. Uh, I think he was referencing C9. Uh, playing like that, like hyper dive comp all series, and what I was thinking about was uh, at NA in international tournaments, you usually have like a mix of uh, teams that just like really try to hone in on the Korean meta uh, or whatever regions. I guess maybe Korea, China this year, but uh, whatever region is like doing the meta the best and really try to like find the best picks and play their style. Uh, and I think teams like TSM have really been doing that a lot um, and not very successfully. But then there are also teams like uh, that really like go for their own style. And I think C9 this year uh, would be a good example of that. Maybe even CLG uh, when they were at Worlds uh, playing like Rome heavy styles. And so my question is, has NA not really gone the distance internationally uh, because like their own players aren't really like up to snuff? Like they don't have the execution or they don't have the synergy or the communication to pull off the types of strats that the Koreans can pull off? Or should they just be not even trying to emulate the Koreans in the first place and just, like, going for their own, like, C9, CLG play styles? All right. So I, I think what... I think it's a good topic, and I think there's, like, different parts of that that you'd have to address separately because uh, something that I've noticed is there are a lot of teams that will just, like, copy what the Koreans are doing, and I don't necessarily always think the reason they do it is because like it's just the best way to play but i think of it more from like the think about it if you were a league coach right how many people in the league scene do you think know like every single part about the game like can tell you what every player should do at every moment like it's it's actually zero the game is not figured out enough for that so the shortcut that most teams take is instead of being like okay so we're gonna let's play our own style we're all just gonna like pick our favorite champions and find some magical way for them to work together and like that, that can work, and it's cool when that does work. But what's kind of easier is if you're trying to get everyone on the same page, you're like, hey, this is the best team in the world. Let's see what they do and try to do that. Just like as a 
starting point, I guess. So I can understand why teams do it. And I think that teams that can understand the fundamentals and like know the basics of teamwork and macro and map control can sort of branch out and do more of their own style, like what Cloud9's done. But I think that if you're a new team, you just come into the league and you're just like, yo, I'm only playing Ivern, fuck it, bros. Like, this is what I do, this is my style. You're gonna run into a team that's like, okay, well, Ivern's garbage and he can't do anything a jungler needs to do. So we're gonna win this one. And then you have the guy who's like, oh, well, Ivern's just my style. I'm gonna keep playing Ivern until I die. And then you end up with an 0 and 18 team. I think the other thing that you've often talked a lot about, Medios, is that a lot of players don't really like to admit their own strengths and weaknesses necessarily. Like, I can't play that. Or I am I am a tank player. You know, like, there's such a negative stigma to being like, yep, I'm the fucking tank player, bro. And, like, me, uh, Impact is someone who feels like he's kind of accepted that that's mostly who he is. And he does branch out and play other stuff. He'll play a GP. He'll play other stuff. But, like, I know maybe you want to give this spiel, Medios, but just, like, that's another thing I think is like everyone thinks that they can play everything. So whenever they see something pop up elsewhere in the world, they're like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, and it's it's definitely something that I think we did talk about that during the desk, like off air or something. But I don't know if it's always it's not always going to be like a pride thing, like players just like never wanting to admit their weaknesses. I think it's more the case that like people don't actually know their weaknesses. Like a lot of people will kind of be like, hey, I'm a pro player. Like aren't pro players supposed to be good at everything? And so you ask someone if, if it's like, hey, like, can you play this champion? They'll be like, yeah, you know, like, I've, I have played this champion before. I have gone through the laning phase with him, and I didn't single-handedly lose my team the game. So, yeah, I can play it. Rather than having to be like, ooh, I don't think I can play this one, guys, and the rest of the team being like, well, you're shit then. So it's, I, I think it's kind of a weird issue yeah i really did appreciate yeah. when you brought that up on the analyst desk it's such a funny dynamic uh i think sort of yeah oh oh yeah someone said double if vlad and i think that's a great example because like when 80 carries had to play other things dude like <laughs> look at what 80 carries have done for the entirety of their existence they've only honed the skill set of like orb walking and like auto attacking right and i'm not saying that's easier that they're not good or anything but when you have to go from that to playing mages, I think a lot of people just don't realize how hard that is or like the actual different skills that go into that. I think it's more just like a lack of understanding more so than uh, inability to admit uh, like weakness or whatnot. Right. And, and I definitely think as well, it's just, it's, it is hard to innovate. Like it is actually hard to find something that works really well. And then that your team can play around correctly and all that stuff. Like, well, especially with the patching schedule, by the way. like, Yeah, especially with patches coming out all the time. The, the Hecarim thing was you, you heard like a late last-second adaptation that C9 made, and it, it did work pretty well with their team, but it wasn't like this... It didn't seem like it was this grand master strategy that they completely figured out. Um, and to your point about looking forward to Worlds, uh, NRJ, I do hope that we see a lot more of NA finding things that they think works for them. Um, but I just hope the community's reaction to that is not what the fuck is NA doing because what what I always see on Reddit and what I always see come out of the community, especially you fucking people watching right now, is you'll look at whatever happens and blame the draft. If it's too similar to the Koreans, we're just copying them. If it's too different, why don't we play the meta? Just let the teams <laughs> do what they think is working. Yeah, I think that in general, people from the outside just aren't really going to understand what's going on because 
I mean, you can't. You don't have enough information to work with. So I definitely think that if you take what the community says too seriously, you're not really going to get anywhere because it's like no matter what you do, there's an angle to say it's wrong, right? Yeah. So AC0S. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, I think that teams do try to like play their own style and play toward their strengths, but at the same time, it's it's hard to balance it. It's like, at what point do you say, okay, this meta mm -hmm. champion is just too strong. You can't beat it. You just have to play it. That's the only like response to it is just take it away from the other team. Then at that point, is it like, is that not you playing your style if you've just determined that's the best thing to do to try to win? So yeah. I think it's a pretty complicated issue that doesn't have a super simple solution. AC0S on in the chat says, Travis, could you reference 2016 CLG at MSI on this topic? They were an NA team that developed their own style and went pretty far. Maybe this is what NA teams have to do. I'm, a, I'm actually kind of curious. Here's a question for you. If you guys are, um, you know, coat like you're running the 100 Thieves stuff as they're headed into Worlds, like, is that a team that should look to um, actually try to innovate uh, a ton and, like, maybe like catch people off guard because maybe they aren't they they aren't at a point right now where they can just go head to head with like standard picks they should try the kind of crazy shit well backpacking a little bit to the clg and msi thing it wasn't just that they had their own play style they pretty much had a better play style um they were playing range supports when no one else would so not only were they playing a, a very aggressive roam style they were playing with a lot more priority than the korean teams at the time were in a lot of the rest of the world who were playing melee supports they also had the Aurelian soul thing though that was pretty unique that right, was but... still during the meta where there was lots of lane swaps wasn't it no 2016 they were dead oh so they were like... gone then all right never mind yeah, yeah, yeah uh so like i agree like yeah they had the Aurelian soul thing but what you saw the korean teams copy from them over the course of the tournament was not the Aurelian Soul necessarily, though that was still being played elsewhere. Like Fly was playing that in Korea at that time. Like other people were playing Aurelian Soul, um, but they were playing almost exclusively range supports. Um, so like that was a much bigger thing, actually, I think. And and that was not just like having our own style. That was having a style that the rest of the team got exposed, the rest of the world got exposed to. And was like, oh shit, that's a better style. Yeah. So just on that point, and for 100 Thieves, I don't know what the fuck you do. You're going to have to scrim a lot, and hopefully you go up against some good teams. You see if your style's working all right for you or not, and then maybe you, you really do have to change things up. Yeah, one, one thing that I would say about it is, um, like, for 100 Thieves, I think that you just have to play to your own player's strengths, and sometimes your own player's strengths will be the meta, right? Like, I think uh, Anda is going to do better on, like, Sijuani, Poppy, and stuff than he would at maybe playing, like... Graves or some hyper carry, not, and it's not only just the single player's aptitude on that champion. Like maybe Ando's a fantastic Graves player, but if 100 Thieves, like the rest of their players, say you play on a team that has like all high income players, right? Like a player who will do very well if he's the most, if he's the richest guy in the game, but he doesn't really know how to operate if he's not the richest guy in the game. There's a lot of players like that, so maybe if you're a Graves player it's not really a good fit to try to play Graves with a team like that. Or or there's lots of other examples. Like That's kind of how I feel when I see Impact uh, always talk about how he can't play carries because I, I know Impact can play carries. I've seen him play carries. He pops off in Sulky all the time, but maybe TL as a team is just much more comfortable playing around bot lane. So uh, I think that team should just play to their own strengths as well as they can. Sometimes it'll line up with the meta, sometimes it won't. Also, Mark, I got to call you out because I've been drugs. doing some research and I feel like there you were, were just swaps. out of it. There were lane swaps in 2016. Wow, you read Twitch chat too, dude. That's crazy. 
Yeah, because I mean, I know one thing with CLG's style too is like, when CLG was successful back then, it was almost all lane swaps. Like they would almost yeah. never do standard lanes. There's one point where their win rate in standard lanes versus lane swaps was very, very different. You know, so um, it's it's definitely. The, I think there's a lot of times a lot of things that factor into what's going on but it's easier for people to understand it as like, oh, this one thing is everything. Hey, I want to ask our good friend, Nick, if he has anything else you'd want to add to this. Uh, I thought the point you had about 100 views about how they might want to innovate was very interesting because uh, when I think about last year's Worlds, two of the teams uh, where expectations weren't very high were Cloud9 and Misfits. Especially for Misfits, they were drawn into like the dream group for TSM, and uh, they made it out. And then they took two games against SKT by playing stuff like Leona Bot. And I think they picked Han Sama some like weird ADC picks. I might be remembering wrong, but I think they picked Draven or something. But I think that might be a way that I think it was Chris Leona with double fervor. That was like yeah, yeah, it was Leona so innovative was there really because weird. it was during the Arden Sensor meta. Yeah, and they like took two games, and they weren't they were supposed to get three would But I think that might be a way that teams like Hundred Thieves or maybe even uh, uh, G Two, who's the third team from Europe, I think, can overperform. Yeah, something that something that the way that I've always looked at the game is, I think that generally you're gonna do better if you're playing on comfort. Meaning, like, if say there's uh, the other team picks a champion, where if you go on like probuilds.com like i feel like you see people do this or not probuilds but like one of those op.gg or lolytics where it's like you can find the counter matchup right maybe your your most comfortable strongest champion right now isn't the textbook hardest counter pick to him but if you can play that champion so much better than you could play the better counter i think you should just play what you're more comfortable with i think it makes a lot more sense yeah hey thanks so much for calling in nick yeah thanks for having me yeah i really appreciate it have a good one. Um, sorry, everyone, that we had a bit of a shorter show today. We started a little bit late, um, but we had some good questions. Uh, thank you so much, Minos, for coming on the show. Mark, uh, do you have anything here at the end? No, thank you guys for coming out. Apologies again. Uh, but That's my bad. Sorry, guys. No, no, no it's, it's cool. fine. Don't worry. It was still a very fun show. We still hit our highest viewership without a host. We didn't get hosted, right? We didn't get hosted. I think we had higher viewership when Peter was on, but I don't. that, that hardly counts. Uh, I don't, but I thought he hosted before or something. He did host us one time, and we got higher viewership when he hosted us. But he, when he was on with Kelby, that show just went bonkers. I think. I think he got like five k uh, or something. Uh, whatever. Um, but it doesn't matter because Medios brought the flame, the fire, the spirit. Uh, Mark, anything you want to? Your webcam dropped Brian, out. Brian Kibler. Really, your web, that's what I'm about. Your webcam dropped out again, Mark. That's good. Okay. Um, do you have anything that you want to say here? Any plugs? Anything at the end, Mark? Nope. Uh, nope. 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 You're not uh, working on nothing. What are you doing for the next three weeks? Probably hanging out a lot. A lot okay. of Azeroth. Um, There's gonna be a, a lot of the wounds. Medios. Anything that you want to shout out? When are you gonna stream? People have been asking that in Twitch chat. Oh yeah, that's a good question. It's something I've been asking myself too. Uh, it's definitely something I want to get back to. But um, I'm just making sure I have a good setup for it. Cause well, you have a webcam now, that, uh, by internet. the way. Huh? You have a webcam now. So I have a, I mean, that's that wasn't the issue. It's more the internet. I think I'll lag really hard if I try streaming from here. So okay. I do want to get back to streaming. Sorry for all the people who've 
been wanting this dream that haven't been able to get it, but it's something that definitely like putting effort towards. So probably like within next couple of weeks, we'll start it up again. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else you want to throw out there for people? Anything you got going on? Uh, no, I mean, just thanks for tuning into the show. And again, sorry to Travis, Mark, and all the audience for the the webcam problems. I should have been more prepared. Well, I want to thank all the people who said I'm going to stick around on stream for a second after the show is done. Uh, but I also just want to say that I've opened up a new way for people to support me. Um, if you are Horde or Alliance on Tychondrius, I will take oh your gold. So, uh, you know, it's it's you know, there's Patreon options. There's we really want to open up a lot of different opportunities for everybody. So, um, but anyway, thank you so much to Mark and Medios for coming on the show. I feel like there's something I should be promoting, and I can't think of what it is. It's going to be quite World. a couple of weeks. Um, um, worlds. Are you World doing World. the group draw show? No, I don't okay. think so. Medios, are you doing anything for Worlds? Uh, I mean, I would like to if, if I'm invited, but I haven't heard anything yet. Usually, when I show up on the desk, I get a text like the morning or the night before, and they're like, hey, are you doing anything tomorrow? <laughs> they're gonna, like, they're gonna, gonna, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm interested in it if there's uh, an opportunity, but yeah. maybe they already have stuff planned. You're going to get a DM from Riot Games at like 11 p.m. and be like, hey, do you want to come on the desk <laughs> for, for the Pretty whole much. night? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I do have a community, a horde, com a horde community that people can join called Travis Gafford Industries. It's pretty cool. Uh, if you guys want to join that, we actually do run a bunch of mythics and stuff. And they, all the people I've met through that are really cool people. So um, it's kind of neat to just like play with League folks um, and get carried. Anyway, that's episode 45. Mark, did you know we're coming up on one year? I think the first episode we ever did was like September 27th or something. Somebody linked it to me. Uh, I knew we were getting close because I knew we started this after uh, we did like 10 episodes before Worlds happened and everything got like thrown to shit because you were in China and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I knew we were coming up on it. Am Trickster and Chess says, am I in Dash's guild? No, I'm in the other guild, but I did play with Dash today and some of his friends, and including Mark. So anyway, that's episode 45. Thanks everyone for watching. Hotline League is over now.